With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chan Inside Sports. Golden Knights lead the Rangers 4-1 with four and a half minutes left in the third. Also late in the third, Panthers up 2-1 on the Penguins. Barkov slammed into the boards after getting bumped by Latang in that game. The Avalanche lead the Kings 1-0 with six minutes left in the first. Later, the Blues up against the Kraken. That is the scoreboard presented by Cougar Paint and Collision. Our family helping your family for 40 years. The Oil Kings... In action tonight in Red Deer, they're up one nothing late in the first period. Oil Kings at home, 4 o'clock on Sunday against Brandon. Oil, uh, the Oilers home tomorrow against the Nashville Predators. 12.30 face-off show, game at 2 here on 6.30, Chad, as the Oilers try to win their 16th straight game. I am pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports, former goaltender and coach with the Edmonton Oilers, the legendary Ron Lowe is on the line. Ron, it's Reed. How are you doing? Great. Now I'm legendary. It's awesome. Yeah, well, you got to keep pumping you up, eh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yes. Well, no, th- what, what was going on today? What did you and all the alum get up to? Um, actually, we went, we were invited in to watch practice. We had a alumni meeting and then we were all invited into the dressing room and uh, actually had lunch with the boys. It was uh, actually very nice, very nice day. Okay, uh, I I know I don't I don't want you to tell tales out of school or or anything. But what is it like uh, interacting with the with the current players? Like, do they do they want stories or, do they, or are they just respectful? Or what are the conversations like? Well, I, I think pretty much all of it's very respectful. Um, I don't know if we had enough time to tell any stories. I think. Looking at the way things are going right now, I wouldn't want to hang around the dressing room and talk to a bunch of old guys. And uh, actually, it was great. Talked to Drysidel a bit, talked to Darnell, and uh, had a great conversation with uh, Sam Gagne. Um, I, <laughs> I questioned uh, his accuracy the other night on that goal, and uh, he said it was meant to be right from the start. <laughs> <laughs> so, as as a former goaltender, but also an Oilers fan, now that you're you know you're an alum, when you see Gagne get one from behind the net like that, or do you first react as oh that's tough for the goalie, or do you like good for you, Sam? We're ahead now. <laughs> you know what it is. I think the the hockey gods have kind of started to even things out from the beginning of the year. I don't know if I've seen eight eight to ten games with so many terrible bounces against one team. I mean, usually you'll get some and it'll switch a little bit, but that first uh, 10 games for the Oil, I don't know, man. I saw so many bad goals that tipped somebody in front 
and ended up hitting a goal post and everybody's going Skinner sucks and I'm going ah, not so quick I don't think so you you kind of got to look past all the fog and right where the whole thing was I mean it was it was desperate and they were they were searching for ways to win granted but boy they had a lot of really terrible breaks Okay, so you mentioned Skinner, and, and of course there are, are, like hockey, I think more than any other sport, has uh, has a bounce and one position, that being goaltender, can make a big difference. Skinner looks incredible lately. The team is also defending better. I mean, you, you coached some teams where you had to scrap and claw for every point in the standings. Like, does... How much? Which is stronger? A good goalie makes the team defense look better, or team defense all of a sudden makes a goalie look a lot better? You know, it's a combination of both. I think Reed Skinner won us a game in Chicago, and I think literally that's the first game he's won. Like he he stole the game. Chicago played it so badly in that game of scary. The other night against Columbus is pretty much the same thing. And you kind of got to look at your team and you go, well, why, why the hell did that game happen? And you look at it, they just beat the Maple Leafs and they just beat Calgary. And emotionally, you just can't carry that real, real high with you all the time. It was the same thing as Pickard last night. He played great in that hockey game. And you sit there and go, you know, if your goaltender can, can win you a game here and there, other than that, you just got to be over 90%. And if uh, if Stewart's doing that, then I think the Orders have a huge chance of winning. Ron Lowe joining us tonight. Look, you and I have uh, talked a lot over the years. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and uh, even in my relatively short tenure covering the team, if you compare me to the Jim Mathesons and, and those guys of the world, I, I really haven't covered the team that long. But I've seen a few head coaches. Um, has Knobloch done something from your trained eye significantly different? And you referenced some bad bounces maybe under Woody, or, or were there some underlying things where you thought, okay, I, I can see why maybe they want to change the coach here? You know, I could never, I could not see why they wanted to change the coach. Uh, his record was sterling. Um, I love... Jay and I love Dave Manson, like unbelievable. But you know, it's kind of funny when when Knobloch came in. The thing that changed to me the most, and it's not a slam against anybody, is utilization of players. And to me, right now, everybody feels used, which to me is a, a great thing. If you think I'm going to throw my fourth line out and maybe try and change momentum here and the fourth line goes out and changes momentum, what an awesome thing for your hockey club. And I think they're kind of living that that whole theory right now. And, and to be honest with you, hey, don't knock it because it's really working. Well, yeah, I mean, like I was saying, one of the five longest winning streaks ever. So when you – you might think this is a stupid question, but I, I trust myself that sometimes I get a good answer even if I think the question is stupid. <laughs> like when you coached – did you ever find yourself like losing track of a player, or like, oh man, like I, I got to find a way to get him out there, but I've, I've been rolling with these other guys too much? Like, can that happen even with an experienced coach? No, I, I think 
I was pretty much a four-line guy and liked to roll four. When it got tight at the end, man, I'd drop to Dougie Waite and Billy Guerin and, uh, hey, in a heartbeat. Um, but I, I think utilization, I don't know. There's some players that will probably say bullshit, Ron, but I <laughs> I tried to use all the players because I found that if if they weren't, in that frame of mind that they're helping you, then they kind of think that they're hurting you. And to me, that's something that I don't think you can have in your hockey club is any any part of it thinking that it's not good enough to quite make the grade. Well, I, I like how you put that, that it's black and white for players. If, if, they, if they think they're not being told they're playing well, they must be being played loud. And I just wonder, too, about that sense of like feeling invested in the game you know what I mean like even players well I might not play a lot but damn it I'm going to impact the game you know what I mean that's what I that's what I see right now I mean it's hard to tell sometimes who the third and fourth line is or who the fourth and third line is because they're making an impact almost every night and if it's not on the scoreboard which it wasn't happening before it's it's in the way a shift goes and then it seems like there's always after a really good shift from your third or fourth lines if your first line goes out and carries that shift over momentum now you've got it and uh, it, to me it's huge it's how games swing and the way that they are uh, rotating the puck when they're on. Now, I'm not saying this is happening all the time, but when they're playing good, they're getting pucks below the other team's defense and making them work. And to me, if you keep doing that, I don't care who you are, it's with the team as talented as the Oilers are and as good as skaters, you're going to wear people down. And it kind of comes to fruition in the third period. You look at their third period this year, it's just crazy the uh, offset there is for goals for against goals against the score now in the third period on the on the winning streak is 28-6 in the third period (laughs) yeah i know that's that's absolutely crazy i mean that's uh probably almost as good as vancouver is in the first period and I, I like how you put that too about getting the puck down low. And, and I said that uh, I can't remember if I was with Rob or Bob last night on our face-off show, but I said I don't see the Oilers as a razzle dazzle neutral zone rush team now. Even the big guys get it down low and first, and then work it around, and then let your skill go to work. Well, I think that if you look at it, McDavid and Drysidle could be the best at, at corner rotations because they can take a puck out of the end, go up and swing around the whole team and come back down into that corner, and now your rotation's taking place. I mean, if, you, if you've got them doing that kind of stuff, I mean, just they're, they're so com- they can so completely dominate shifts that it almost puts that the other team at a disadvantage. Now, hey, man, I've seen ebbs and flows in years 40 times. I mean, that's how long I've been at this. But this team looks to me like the real thing. I mean, I think they're winning the hard way. They're winning 
they're winning when they're outgunning people. But this last 14 games, their goals against average, besides Skinner and uh, Pickard playing really well, is a tribute to the team. They're playing great defensive hockey. All right, here's the here's the final one, and I, I think I know what your answer is going to be. How do you feel about Corey Perry jumping in now? Love it. End of story. I think he's the the. Hey, he beat us. I was coaching in Ottawa, assistant coach with the Senators, and basically the guy beat us in the playoffs that year to win the cup. And uh, hey, he's a terrific competitor. And um, I know, whatever, there's baggage. But you know what? There is supposedly baggage with Kane. And you look at all these guys. I mean, Slats took people with baggage on every time. And to me, he's that, that component, man. He gets greasy in the playoffs, greasier than he is in the regular season. And I just happen to really like him as a player. I always have. Ron. I always love having you as a guest. Thanks for uh, letting me bug you tonight. Love having you on the show. It was great getting to see you at the rink today as well. Uh, enjoy the game tomorrow. This is an incredible run, and, and I, I'm with you. I think the way the Oilers are playing, they look like they're definitely for real. Thank you so much. Tomorrow's going to be a real good test read, and let's hope it all turns out the right way. Absolutely. That is Ron Lowe, the former NHL, uh, former Oilers coach. Well, NHL, but specifically with the uh, Oilers uh, in the late 70s and in the 80s. And uh, as he said, on the Senator staff as well, that was uh, beaten by Corey Perry and the Ducks in the Stanley Cup final. Love having Ron on Inside Sports. Okay, we'll get to a few more of your messages as well, and I'll touch on that AJHL story. I want to also let you know the Elks this week airs tomorrow morning, 9.30 on 6.30. Chad Morley Scott will have part two of his conversation with the Elks' new QB, MBT, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, plus Elks color analyst Dave Campbell joins Morley to talk about the news of the week for the Elks and the look ahead to free agency next month. The Elks this week with Morley Scott, 9.30 to 10 a.m. on the Voice of the Elks, 6.30. Chad, back in a couple of minutes. Hi, this is Leon Dreisaitl from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. To Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins from 630 Chet. So last night around 10 o'clock, uh, Rob and I were doing overtime open line in Studio 99. The Spruce Grove Saints, along with the Brooks Bandits, Sherwood Park Crusaders, Okotoks, Oilers, and Black Falls Bulldogs, put out a statement, uh, part of which read, our five teams remain members in good standing of the Alberta Junior Hockey League, Canadian Junior Hockey League, Hockey Alberta, and Hockey Canada. We have not entered into any agreement to leave any of those organizations, nor have we made any announcement to that effect. Uh, The AJHL responded to that, saying that uh, they find that a contradictory statement 
as the BCHL had earlier announced that the uh, five teams had committed to terms to join the BCHL starting next season. Um, if you've been listening to uh, my show for the last week, I've, I've talked about it. I've said that I have talked to people about it. Uh, I have not talked to anybody who uh, has been willing to come on the record on my show. Um, now, there's also been a comment uh, that the AJHL says comes from Bandits President Paul Seaton, who said that, yeah, we're leaving, but this wasn't supposed to be announced until May 1st. Uh, Adam Surgery did go on the record with my buddy Sab, uh, Slav Kornick from Global Television, and Surgery uh, had this to say about a decision about leaving the AJHL for the BCHL. We're not binded to give our answer until May, May 1st is when we have to give our intent. Up until May 1st, we're doing our homework, right? We want to make the most informed decision. When May 1st hits, we'll, we'll have been able to say we've done our homework and we'll have made a decision that we feel is in the best interest of the Sherwood Park Crusaders. That's that's probably the best way to answer it because that's the, like, that's the facts. Like we're just doing our due diligence and we've been clear about that. Like we've like if anybody's ever asked and I go back months, like the answer has always been the same. We're doing our due diligence, not trying to hide, not trying to deceive anybody. That's the reality is like the, the a decision like this isn't made overnight. You do your homework, you go, you, you comb through everything and then you, you make a decision that's informative. And that's, and that's like, we're still going through that process, but I can tell you, we've not signed a document that binds us to playing in that league next year. All right. Uh, well, yeah, certainly some contradictory statements out there. Uh, I mean, it, it appears to me that th- these five teams are going to leave the AJHL and it got leaked earlier than they wanted it to. That's my interpretation of everything. And now, uh, those five teams are upset that the AJHL has said you can't play anybody except each other, uh, which does, as Rob Brown has said, punish the players on on those teams. Um, so we'll we'll see uh, how this continues to develop, and hopefully at some point I will have uh, some on the record comment here on Inside Sports to dive a little deeper into things. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Florida and Pittsburgh now in overtime, by the way, tied 2-2. Penguins tied it in the last minute of the third. Kellen, uh, hit me with a couple here before we go into the weekend. Certainly. Farmer Ed texting in says Ron is exactly right about uh, Corey Perry. Great for the team. Thanks again. That's from Farmer Ed. I don't have. Have we got a negative text about Corey Perry being on the team? I haven't seen one. I feel like with Evander Kane, um, I think different sort of baggage because you know I think he, Kane had been on some teams where his teammates just didn't want him around anymore. Uh, clearly, Perry messed up. I mean, Chicago fired him, but he's talked about you know dealing with that and trying to. Uh, you know, like he said, going through alcohol rehab and and be able to look himself in the mirror every morning. So, you, you know, I just think with Perry, it's different, and everybody recognizes what he's going to bring to the team. I, I I don't know if we've have, we've had anything negative on Perry. I don't really feel that's been a debate like it was with Kane a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got an unknown text in saying, "How fun would it be to see a game between Edmonton and Vancouver now?" Well, that's the uh, you know well, the, the schedule the makers are for playing that. a lot better. <laughs> uh, now, having said that, the second game of the season, the Oilers played 
pretty well. And I think this wasn't the Smith in goal for that game. Mm-hmm. And uh, just couldn't figure it out. But yeah, they got, what were the other ones? 8-1 eight, eight, and 6-2, I think. Those were pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, DeSalvo up in Athabasca texts in and says, is Jack Campbell a write-off? Both goalies were hung out early in the season. I'm reluctant to use the term write-off. And maybe uh, he doesn't mean it that harshly. As as I've said, he's still part of the organization, and you might need him, right? You you might need him. So I always kind of tell myself that. But certainly with the way Pickard has been playing and uh, with uh, how Skinner has been playing, you know, I don't think there's any urgency to give Campbell another shot. I'm sure Campbell is thinking, how come I couldn't have been in goal when the team was defending this much better? But mm-hmm. uh, Troy actually uh, texting in from Entwistle here says, not much of a rivalry between schools, always one with Wildwood, as, as you said. Uh, Entwistle was more of a battle with Drayton Valley. So there we go. Thanks, oh, yeah, Troy, that for would make sense. Yeah, the, I think that was Parkland, right? And Evansburg and Wildwood were in Yellowhead. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If, I don't even know if they're still called that, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And we'll end tonight with uh, Sarah texting in. Says, "Hey guys, got a prediction on the game tomorrow? I think the Oilers will win this one in a shootout, five-four. Well, that would be exciting. That would be a few more goals than we've been seeing for sure. All right, appreciate that. Save that prediction. Thanks to Ron Lowe for hopping on tonight. Megan Winger, manager of uh, marketing and communications for the Stollery, was on as well. How about the chorus radiothon? One point." million for the Stollery Children's Hospital Foundation. Thanks to everybody who helped out. I am going to be off on Monday, so Dave Campbell will host the show. But I will talk to you at 12.30 tomorrow for the face-off show. Game at 2, Oilers at Predators. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. My name's Reed. Have a great weekend.